Good morning, everyone, <clears throat> and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at The Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for the original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to, dis- to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 22, Salvation and the Holy Relationship, with Sections 5 and 6. The Branching of the Road and weakness and defensiveness. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of the lesson of the day, which today is Lesson 250. And let me get that name for you there. Lesson 250 is let me not see myself as limited. All right, and uh, with this, and reading today, we have uh, <clears throat> Lori, Jessica, Fran, Robin Marie, Micah, Karen, and Diana. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to let us know? Um, Maybe join the reading list or just let us know you're listening. Hi, Lemoyne. June settled. I can read. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Judy. And, uh, all right, well, I'm going to have to ask, uh, because I have nothing prepared, <laughs> to ask you, Lori, do you have an opening prepared for us this morning? Oh, I sure do. Um, I don't, but with gratitude to Marion Williamson, I'd love to share this little thought. I am a child of God. I was created in a blinding flash of creativity, a primal thought when God extended himself in love. Everything he touches is infused with his wonder, and he has touched me. The perfect me isn't something I need to create because God has already created it. The perfect me is the love within me. I allow his spirit to remove the fearful thinking that surrounds my perfect self, 
so I might extend to all the world the love he placed in me. May every thought I think and every feeling I feel be an extension of God's love. May fear and illusion fall to the wayside as I embrace the knowledge of who I really am. I am who he created me to be, and nothing else is real. Let me not see myself as limited. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for that. That was perfect. Thank you, Sonny. Yeah, thank you. That was a great, great find today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Okay, well, I think I'm reading 38 through 50 today, two sections, so go ahead and get us rolling. <laughs> okay, well, chapter 22, The Salvation and the Holy Relationship, section 5, The Branching of the Road. Paragraph 38, when you come to the place where the branch in the road is quite apparent, you cannot go ahead. You must go either one way or the other. For now, if you go straight ahead, the way you went before you reached the branch, you will go nowhere. The whole purpose of coming this far was to decide which branch you will take now. The way you came no longer matters. It can no longer serve. No one who reaches this far can make the wrong decision, but he can delay. There is no part of the journey that seems more hopeless and futile than standing where the road branches and not deciding on which way to go. Lori, you read on? You bet. Chapter 22, Section 5. Well, 22. Salvation and the Holy Relationship. Section 5. The Branching of the Road. 38. When you come to the place where the branch in the road is quite apparent, you cannot go ahead. You must go either one way or the other. For now, if you go straight ahead the way you went before you reached the branch, you will go nowhere. The whole purpose of coming this far was to decide which branch you will take now. The way you came no longer matters. It can no longer serve. No one who reaches this far can make the wrong decision, but he can delay. And there is no part of the journey that seems more hopeless and futile than standing where the road branches and not deciding on which way to go. 39. It is but the first few steps along the right way that seem hard, for you have chosen, although you still may think you can go back and make another choice. This is not so. A choice made with the power of heaven to uphold it cannot be undone. Your way is decided. There will be nothing you will not be told if you acknowledge this. 
Thank you, Lori. And Jessica? <clears throat> 39. It is but the first few steps along the right way that seem hard, for you have chosen, although you still may think you can go back and make another choice. This is not so. A choice made with the power of heaven to uphold it cannot be undone. Your way is decided. There will be nothing you will not be told if you acknowledge this. 40. And so you stand here in this holy place before the veil of sin that hangs between you and the face of Christ. Let it be lifted. Raise it together. For it is but a veil that stands between you. Either alone will... Either alone will see it as a solid block, nor realize how thin the drapery that separates you now. Yet it is almost over in your awareness, and peace has reached you, even here before the veil. Think what will happen after. The love of Christ will light your faces and shine from them into a darkened world that needs the light. And from this holy place, he will return with you, not leaving it nor you. You will become his messengers, returning him unto himself. Thank you, Jessica. And Fran, you read 40 40. 41. And so you stand, here in this holy place, before the veil of sin that hangs between you and the face of Christ. Let it be lifted. Raise it together. For it is but a veil that stands between you. Either alone will see it as a solid block, nor realize how thin the drapery that separates you now. Yet it is almost over in your awareness, and peace has reached you even here, before the veil. Think what will happen after. The love of Christ will light your faces and shine from them into a darkened world that needs the light. And from this holy place, he will return with you, not leaving it nor you. You will become his passengers, his messengers, returning him unto himself. 41. Think of the loveliness that you will see who walk with him. And think how beautiful will each of you look to the other. How happy you will be to be together after such a long and lonely journey where you walked alone. The gates of heaven open now for you. Will you now open to the sorrowful? And none who look upon the Christ in you but will rejoice. How beautiful the sight you saw beyond the veil which you will bring to light the tired eyes of those as weary now as once you were. How thankful will they be to see you come among them, offering Christ's forgiveness to dispel their faith and sin. Thank you, Fran. <clears throat> Thank you. And Robin Murray? Forty-one. 
think of the loveliness that you will see who walk with him. And think how beautiful will each of you look to the other. How happy you will be to be together after such a long and lonely journey where you walk alone. The gates of heaven open now for you. Will you now open to the sorrowful and none who looks upon the Christ in you but will rejoice? How beautiful the sight you saw beyond the veil which you will bring to, the, to light the tired eyes of those as weary now as once you were. How thankful will they be to see you come among them offering Christ's forgiveness to dispel their faith in sin. 42. Every mistake you make, the other will gently have corrected for you. For in his sight, your loveliness is his salvation, which he would protect from harm. And each will be the other's strong protector from everything that seems to rise between you. So shall you walk the world with me whose message has not yet been given to everyone. For you are here to let it be received. God's offer still is open, yet it waits acceptance. From you who have accepted, it is it. Oh, from you who have accepted it, is it received. Into your joined hands is it safely given. For you who share it have become its willing guardians and protectors. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Micah. Okay. Um, Okay, 42. Every mistake you make, the other will gently have corrected for you. For in his sight, your loveliness is his salvation, which he would protect from harm. And each will be the other's strong protector from everything that seems to rise between you. So shall you walk the world with me, whose whose message has not yet been given to everyone. For you are here to let it be received. God's offer still is open, yet it waits acceptance. From you who have accepted it, is it received? Into your hands, into your joint hands, is it safely given? For you who share it have become its willing guardians and protectors. 43. To all who share the love of God, the grace is given to be the givers of what they have received. And so they learn that it is theirs forever. All barriers disappear before their coming as their obstacle, I'm sorry, as every obstacle was finally surmounted, which seemed to rise and block their way before. This veil you lift together opens the way to truth to more than you. Those who would let illusions be lifted from their minds are this world's saviors, walking the world with their Redeemer 
in carrying his message of hope and freedom and release from suffering to everyone who needs a miracle to save him. Thank you, Micah. And Karen. 43. To all who share the love of God, the grace is given to be the givers of what they have received. And so they learn that it is theirs forever. All barriers disappear before their coming. As every obstacle was finally surmounted, which seemed to rise and block their way before. This veil you lift together opens the way to truth to more than you. Those who would let illusions be lifted from their minds are this world's saviors, walking the world with their Redeemer and carrying his message of freedom and release from suffering to everyone who needs a miracle to save him. 44. How easy is it to offer this miracle to everyone? No one who has received it for himself could find it difficult. For by receiving it, he learned it was not given him alone. Such is the function of a holy relationship. To receive together and give as you receive. Standing before the veil, it still seems difficult. But hold out your joined hands and touch this heavy-seeming block, and you will learn how easily your fingers slip through its nothingness. It is no solid wall, and only an illusion stands between you and the holy self you share. Are you are you on mute, Lemoyne? Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I had actually asked you a question. That was not the response I expected. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you, Karen. And you did turn tones off, right, Lemoyne? Uh, yes, I did. Well, oh, all right, thank, thank you. And so, Diana, would you read the? Uh, 44, and then roll into the next section. Okay, sure. 44. How easy is it to offer this miracle to everyone? No one has received it for himself, could find it difficult. Or by receiving it, he learned it was not given to him alone. Such is the function of the holy relationship to receive together, and to give as you receive. Standing before the veil, it still seems difficult, but hold out your joined hands and touch this heavy, seamed block. 
and you will learn how easy your fingers slip through its nothingness. It is no solid wall, and only an illusion stands between you and the Holy Spirit you share. And going into the next section, five, weakness and defensiveness. Chapter 45. How does one recover? How does one overcome illusions? Surely not by force or anger, nor opposing them in any way. Merely the letting reason tells you that they um, contradict reality. They go against what must be true. The opposition comes from them and not reality. Reality opposes nothing. What merely it what merely is needs no defense and offers none. Only illusion need defense because of weakness. And how can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only weakness interferes? You are the strong ones in this seeming conflict, and you need no defense. Everything that needs defense, you do not want, for anything that needs defense will weaken you. Thank you, Lamoine. That was pretty powerful right there. <laughs> Thank you, Diana. <clears throat> and Judy. 45 and 6. Okay. Thank you, Lemoyne. Weakness in defense. How does one overcome illusion? Surely not by force. Oh, shoot. i got a squirrel crawling across my feet. <laughs> Surely not by force or anger, nor by opposing them in any way. Merely by letting reason tell you that they contradict reality. They go against what must be true. The opposition comes from them and not reality. Reality opposes nothing. What merely need is what merely is needs no defense and offers none. Only illusion only illusions need defense because of weakness. And how can it be difficult to walk the way of truth when only weakness interferes. You are the strong one in this seeming conflict. And you need no defense. Everything that needs defense you do not want, for anything that needs defense will weaken you. Consider what the ego wants defenses for. Always to justify what goes against the truth flies in the face of reason and makes no sense. Can this be justified? What can this be except an invitation to insanity to save you from the truth? And what would you be saved from but what you fear? Belief in sin needs great defense and at enormous cost. All that the Holy Spirit offers must be defended against and sacrificed. 
For sin is carved into a block out of your peace and laid between you <laughs> and its return. Look <laughs> at all these birds flying around me. It's really distracting. <gasps> I'm completely... Okay, I'll read the last couple sentences here. Yet how can peace be so fragmented? It is still whole, and nothing has been taken from it. Thank you, Judy. And do we have a new reader for 46 and 7? Yes, I will. Thank you, Ida. You're welcome. 46. Consider what the ego wants defense is for. Always to justify what goes against the truth lies in the face of reason and makes no sense. Can this be justified? What can this be except an invitation to insanity to save you from the truth? And what would you be saved from but what you fear? Belief in sin needs great defense and at enormous cost. All that the Holy Spirit offers must be defended against and sacrificed. For sin is carved into a block out of your peace and laid between you and its return. Yet how can peace be so fragmented? It is still whole and nothing has been taken from it. 47. See how the means and the material of evil dreams are nothing. In truth, you stand together with nothing in between. God holds your hands, and what can separate whom he has joined as one with him? It is your father whom you would defend against. Yet it remains impossible to keep love out. God rests with you in quiet, undefended, and wholly undefending, for in this quiet state alone is strength and power. Here can no weakness enter, for here is no attack, and therefore no illusions. Love rests in certainty. Only uncertainty can be defensive, and all uncertainty is doubt about yourself. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. And do we have another new reader who would like to read 47 and 48? Is there a new reader for 47 and 48? Okay, back to you, Lori. 47. See how the means and material of evil dreams are nothing. In truth, you stand together with nothing in between. God holds your hands and what can separate whom he has joined as one with him. It is your father whom you would defend against. 
yet it remains impossible to keep love out. God rests with you in quiet, undefended and holy undefending, for in this quiet state alone is strength and power. Here no, can no weakness enter, for here is no attack and therefore no illusions. Love rests in certainty. Only uncertainty can be defensive and all uncertainty is doubt about yourself. 48. How weak is fear? How little and how meaningless? How insignificant before the quiet strength of those whom love has joined? This is your so-called enemy, a frightened mouse that would attack the universe. How likely is it that it will succeed? Can it be difficult to disregard its feeble squeaks that tell of its omnipotence and would drown out the hymn of praise to its creator which every heart throughout the universe forever sings as one? Which is the stronger? Is it this tiny mouse or everything that God created? You are not joined together by this mouse but by the will of God. And can a mouse betray whom God has joined? Thank you, Lori. And Jessica? Thanks, Lamorne. Um, 48. How weak is fear? How little and how meaningless. How insignificant before the quiet strength of those whom love has joined. This is your so-called enemy, a frightened mouse that would attack the universe. How likely is it that it will succeed? Can it be difficult to disregard its feeble squeaks? that tell of its omnipotence and would drown out the hymn of praise to its creator, which every heart throughout the universe forever sings as one? Which is the stronger? Is it this tiny mouse or everything that God created? You are not joined together by this mouse, but by the will of God. And can a mouse betray whom God has joined? If you but recognize how little stands between you and your awareness of your union, be not deceived by the illusions it presents of size and thickness, weight, solidity, and firmness of foundation. Yes, to the body's eyes, it looks like an enormous, solid body, immovable as is a mountain. Yet within you, there is a force which no illusion can resist. This body only seems to be immovable. This force is irresistible in truth. What then must happen when they come together? Can the illusion of immovability be long defended from what is quietly passed through and gone beyond? Thank you, Jessica. And Fran. 
49. If you but recognize how little stands between you and your awareness of your union, be not deceived by the illusion it presents of size and thickness, weight, solidity, and firmness of foundation. Yes, to the body's eyes, it looks like an enormous, solid body, immovable as is a mountain. Yet within you, there is a force which no illusions can resist. This body only seems to be immovable. This force is irresistible in truth. What then can happen when they come together? Can the illusion of immovability be long defended from what is quietly passed through and gone beyond? 50. Forget not what you feel when you feel the need to be defensive about anything. You have identified yourself with an illusion and therefore feel that you are weak because you are alone. This is the cost of all illusions. Not one, but rests on the belief that you are separate. Not one that does not seem to stand heavy and solid and immovable between you and your brother. And not one that truth cannot pass over lightly and so easily that you must be convinced, in spite of what you thought it was, that it is nothing. If you forgive each other, this must happen. For if for it is your willingness to overlook what seems to stand between you that makes it look impenetrable and defends the illusion of immovability. Thank you, friends. And uh, uh, I'm just going to go ahead. Robin Marie, would you read 50? Yes, <clears throat> 50. Forget not when you feel the need arise to be defensive about anything. You have identified yourself with an illusion and therefore feel that you are weak because you are alone. This is the of all illusions. Not one, but rest on the belief that you are separate. Not one that does not seem to stand heavy and solid and immovable between you and your brother and not one that truth cannot pass over lightly and so easily that you must be convinced, in spite of what you thought it was, that it is nothing. And if you forgive each other, this must happen. For it is your unwillingness to overlook what seems to stand between you that makes it look impenetrable and defends the illusion of its immovability. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And so, well, at least partly from my delay, don't have a lot of time before the top of the hour, but I'm going to attempt a a short recap of... uh, And yet another, another, another offering of the choice, real choice. One moment. Okay. From 38, when you come to the place where the branch in the road is quite apparent, you cannot go ahead. You must go 
either either one way or the other. Which may be going nowhere. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll continue. And there because there is no part of the journey that seems more hopeless and futile than standing where the road branches and not deciding on which way to go. It is but the first few steps along the right way that seem hard, for you have chosen, although you still may think you can go back and make the other choice. This is not so. A choice made with the power of heaven to uphold it cannot be undone. Your way is decided. And so you stand here in this holy place before the veil of sin that hangs between you and the face of Christ. Let it be lifted. Raise it together, for it is but a veil that stands between you. There you go, Cat. Either alone, either you or your brother alone, will see it as a solid block, nor realize how thin the drapery that separates you now. Think what will, what will happen after. You will become his messengers, returning him unto himself. Think of the loveliness that you will see who walk with him. And think how beautiful will each look, each of you look to the other. How happy you will be to be together after such a long and lonely journey where you walked alone. And how thankful will all others there be to see you come among them, offering Christ's forgiveness to dispel their face in sin. Every mistake you make with the other will gently have corrected for you, for in his sight your loveliness is his salvation, which he would protect from harm. So you shall so shall you walk the world with Christ whose message has not yet been given to everyone for you are here to let it be received God's offer still is open yet it waits acceptance from you who have accepted it it is received into your joined hands is it safely given for you who share it have become its willing guardians and protectors. To all who share the love of God, the grace is given to be the givers of what they have received. And so they learn that it is theirs forever. Those who would let illusions be lifted from their minds are this world's saviors, walking the world with their Redeemer and carrying his message of hope and freedom and release from suffering 
to everyone who needs a miracle to save him. How easy is it to offer this miracle to everyone? No one who has received it for himself could find it difficult. For by receiving it, he learned it was not given him alone. Such is the function of a holy relationship, to receive together and give as you received. And only an illusion stands between you and the holy self you share. How does one overcome illusions? Surely not by force or or anger nor by opposing them in any way. Merely by letting reason tell you that they contradict reality. Consider what the ego wants defenses for, always to justify what goes against the truth, flies in the face of reason, and makes no sense. Can this be justified? What can this be except an invitation to insanity to save you from the truth? And what would you be saved from but what you fear? How can peace be so fragmented? It is still whole, and nothing has been taken from it. See how the means and material of evil dreams are nothing. In truth, you stand together with nothing in between. God holds your hand, and what can separate whom he has joined as one with him? It is is your father whom you would defend against. Yet it remains impossible to keep love out. And I add, or keep it in. (laughs) God rests with you in quiet, undefended, and wholly undefending. For in this quiet state alone is strength and power. Here can no weakness enter, for here is no attack and therefore no illusion. Love rests in certainty. Only uncertainty can be defensive, and all uncertainty is doubt about yourself. How weak is fear, how little and how meaningless, how insignificant before the quiet strength of those whom love has joined. This is your enemy, a frightened mouse. You are not joined together by this mouse, but by the will of God. And can a mouse betray betray whom God has joined? If you but recognize how little stands between you and your awareness of your union, be not deceived by the illusions it presents. This body only seems to be immovable. The force is irresistible in truth. This force within you which no illusions can resist. What must happen when they come together? Can the illusion of immovability be long defended from what is quietly passed through and gone beyond? Forget not when you feel the need arise to be defensive about anything, you have identified yourself with an illusion, and therefore you feel you are weak 
because you are alone. This is the cost of all illusions. Not one, but rests on the belief that you are separate. Not one that does not seem to stand, then, heavy and solid and immovable between you and your brother. And not one the truth cannot pass over lightly and so easily you must be convinced, in spite of what you thought it was, that it is nothing. If you forgive each other, this must happen. For it is your unwillingness to overlook what seems to stand between you that makes it look impenetrable and defends the illusion of its immovability. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Nice summary. Well, thank y'all. I feel like you carried me through that. And uh, we slid right past the top of the hour. And so uh, can I turn to you, Fran, for uh, our last lesson under the section, What is the World? Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and this is the last day of What is the World? Um, we are on lesson 250. Let me not see myself as limited. So I'll read some from What is the World? Again, I tell you this. <laughs> the world is false perception. It is born of error and has not left its source. It will remain no longer than the thought which gave it birth is cherished. When the thought of separation has been changed to one of true forgiveness, will the world be seen in quite another light, one which leads to truth, where all the world must disappear and all its errors vanish. The world was made as an attack on God. It symbolizes fear. And what is fear except love's absence? Thus the world was meant to be a place where God could enter not and where his son could be apart from him. Here was perception born, for knowledge could not cause such insane thoughts. But eyes deceive and ears hear falsely. Now mistakes become quite possible, for certainty is, has gone. The mechanics of illusions have been born instead, and now they go to find what has been given them to seek. Yet everything that they report is but illusion, which is kept apart from truth. As sight was made to lead away from truth, it can be redirected. Sounds become the call of God, and all perception can be given a new purpose by the one whom God appointed Savior to the world. Follow his light and see the world as he beholds it. Hear his voice, alone in all that speaks to you. And let him give you peace and certainty, which you have thrown away, but heaven has preserved for you in him. Let us not rest content until the world has joined our changed perception. Let us not be satisfied 
until forgiveness has been made complete. And let us not attempt to change our function. We must save the world, for we who made it must behold it through the eyes of Christ, that what was made to die be restored to everlasting life. Now we'll go to the lesson. Lesson 250. Let me not see myself as limited. Let me behold the Son of God today and witness to his glory. Let me not try to obscure the holy light in him and see his strength diminished and reduced to frailty, nor perceive the lacks in him which I would attack his sovereignty. He is your Son, my Father, and today I would behold his gentleness instead of my illusions. He is what I am, and as I see him, so I see myself. Today, I would see truly that this day I may at last identify with him. And we'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 250. Let me not see myself as limited. He is your son, my father, and today I would behold his gentleness instead of my illusions. He is what I am, and as I see him, so I see myself. Lesson 250. Let me not see myself as limited. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. That is beautiful. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, friend. And thank you to the author of this beautiful book for saying things in in a way that we will understand something we didn't understand before. (laughs) You know, let me not see myself as unlimited is referring to my true self which is my brothers and sisters with me so anytime I see anyone as limited I'm seeing myself as limited because I am them they are me we are we (laughs) we are I (laughs) I am the walrus (laughs) Um, um, but it's very profound because, um, you know, I, it's hard enough sometimes, well, it's hard enough to 
recognize that I am the Holy Son of God and I am unlimited. And then to turn to my neighbor or someone who I maybe don't even quote-unquote respect or admire in any way or at times may even um, be afraid of in some way and see that when I perceive them as unlimited and I don't see the truth of who they are, that then I'm, by inference, seeing myself as unlimited. This is a very beautiful lesson, and I really enjoyed experiencing the expansion that it offered me. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. It's Robin Marie, and I'm thinking about the word gentleness and uh, where it says, I would behold his gentleness. And... I'm thinking that innocence is very like gentleness and also vulnerability is also. Does anyone else have an idea of what gentleness means? Um, is that this is Jessica um, on on the lesson call this morning? Reverend Pam had us read from the um, the manual for teachers the section about characteristics of God's teachers and one of them being gentleness. So that one was very helpful. I don't know if oh. I can summarize it, but. Um, it might be nice to read that. I don't know if someone would like to do that. How about you? Would you like to? <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> okay, I can so do that. I can either <laughs> read or your summary. Fran will help, I guess. Okay, I can I can do it. I can I just have to find it um on my Kindle here, which is okay. I I can do that. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. What are what are the characteristics of God's teachers and um, gentleness? Okay. Harm is impossible for God's teachers. They can neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. It is the dishonest act that follows a dishonest thought. It is a verdict of guilt upon a brother and therefore on oneself. It is the end of peace and the denial of learning. It demonstrates the absence of God's curriculum and its replacement by insanity. No teacher of God but must learn and fairly early in his training, that harmfulness 
completely obliterates his function from his awareness. It will make him confused, fearful, angry, and suspicious. It will make the Holy Spirit's lessons impossible to learn. Nor can God's teacher be heard at all except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing at all. No gain can come from it. There's one more paragraph in in the gentleness section. Do you want me to read that? Yes, because that that describes what gentleness is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness, for it is in this that the function of salvation becomes easy. To those who would do harm, it is impossible. To those to whom harm has no meaning, it is merely natural. What choice but this has meaning to the same? Who chooses hell when he perceives a way to heaven? And who would choose the weakness that must come from harm in place of the unfailing, all-encompassing, and limitless strength of gentleness. The might of God's teachers lies in their gentleness, for they have understood their evil thoughts came neither from God's Son nor his Creator. Thus have they joined their thoughts with him who is their source, And so their will, which always was his own, is free to be itself. And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It didn't didn't quite it didn't quite answer what I was asking, but but it did also. Thank you. <clears throat> Maybe I can just say um, uh, that to me, what gentleness means is uh, that you know he he keeps he mentions harm a number of times in that section, and it's the absence of harm, which means that I am not going to force anything. Um, for any kind of force is not gentleness. Um, any kind of like imposing my will in an oppositional way or in a you know manipulative way or any kind of like effort effortful way is not gentle. You know, if you try to fit up something together that doesn't go together and you push really hard, you're going to break something. And gentleness would discover very quickly that something doesn't go in one place, but it does go someplace else, and somebody isn't going to go the way you want them to go, but they might go, you know, if you allow them the ease of being gentle, you'll find out what is the right path. I don't know if that made sense. Thank you. I'm complete. 
that's a great Thank strength of, of love. Yeah. It's strength. Gentleness is strength. It's a strength to be able to wait and be patient to let love work. Yes, thank you. Just thinking, I'll be thinking about this all day probably. (laughs) It's beautiful. Thank you, Robin Marie. And lesson 265 is a really good um, place for the mind to rest on that question. And that lesson is creation's gentleness is all I see. Very beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. This is uh, Micah. I'll be uh, leaving here shortly, so I want to do a quick share. Hopefully, it's not too long. And um, uh, what I liked about the the text uh, was the. I I just get this feeling, uh, you know, that we're moving into a new kind of perception you know a new if you want to call it perception it's more like i think a perception more in terms of what how we see in space time but it's almost like a vision we're moving into a new kind of vision of jesus says that you you think you think that what you do not see does not exist and this leads to the denial of spiritual sight and this whole section was, uh, you know, to me, it was highlighting this movement into, uh, you know, our, the Christ, into our shared consciousness, which is a different kind of vision. And, and where I, 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 a couple times during the reading, I went to this quote that, for me, it, it creates the first, has often, very often created the first shift out of looking at just form. But it says, reality is changeless. Reality is changeless. It is this that makes it real and keeps it separate from all appearances. It must transcend all form to be itself. It cannot change. So I... I would sit some, you know, I sit and, and this morning I was doing it too. But what's here that is not changing? What, what, what's surrounding me right now that is not changing? And my eyes get soft. They stop looking at form and they start to move into a, an energetic awareness of the spacious, spacious self more. You know, it's a, well, I just want to highlight this quote again. I've read it a few times, but it keeps coming to me uh, from the course of love, you know, to seek the face of God, even in the form of Christ, is to seek for what is forever without form. To truly see is to begin to see the formless. To begin to see the formless is to begin to understand what you are. And um, see, there was another one. Um, 
and then it, it, so much of this section was about the holy relationship of move, you know, going beyond the brother's body. Like he, he talks on, of it beautifully here in paragraph 49. That, um, this body only seems to be immovable. This force is irresistible in truth. This other force that he's talking about, uh, about the force of the union. Uh, what then must happen when they come together? Can the illusion of immovability be long defended from when it's when is quietly passed through and gone beyond? And I was feeling like our Raza and my holy relationship. You know, here's our body sitting in space time, and yet at the same time is this shared consciousness of the Christ. Uh, surrounding us, and and here another line from the Course of Love says, "Separate bodies cannot unite in wholeness. They were made to keep wholeness from you and to convince you of the illusion of your separateness. Step back, see your body is just the surface layer of your existence. It is what appears to be, and no more." Let it not keep you from seeing the truth as you do not let other surface conditions hide the truth from you. And I'll just um, end by just, just kind of highlighting a couple of, a few of the lines that, that we read uh, in this text. One was, um, how thin the drapery that separates you now. That's from paragraph 40. And it feels like this energetic realm that's all around us all the time, it's just requiring a kind of shift of my vision, you know, going from the eyes looking at form to another kind of sight that sees the formless. And let's see, here was, um, touch, this is paragraph 44, touch this heavy seeming block and you will learn how easily your fingers slip through its nothingness. It is no solid wall and only an illusion stands between you and the holy self you share. And then down in uh, paragraph 47, God holds your hands and what can separate whom he has joined? Who, who he has joined as one with him. Um, and let's see. I, just one last one here. And if you but recognized how little stands between you and your awareness of your union. You know, it's it's here. I mean, it's here on the call. You know, it's... A, um, Here's this mind. Jesus says, see this mind everywhere and in everything. And we are sharing this one mind, he says. And it's going on right now. And uh, it's just a turning of the lens of awareness into a different direction. And that's it. I'm done. Thanks. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks, Micah. Have a good day, you guys. Thanks, Micah. You Thanks, you. Mike. Thank, Thank you, Mike. Thanks for your question, Robin Murray. And you're welcome. Your re- and your response, Jessica. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Hi. Uh, I love that word, gentle. Hi, everybody. It's Judy. I have um, just in, in thinking about what Jessica read from the Manual for Teachers and, you know, how judgment is the cause of all harm. And I was thinking of um, Jesus in the Bible when um, the woman who committed adultery was going to be stoned by the crowd, and he picked up the stone and he said, you who have not sinned cast the first stone, and everybody walked away. And um, I think that, you know, for me, J.C. is the model in all of this, and only because I know um, some of the stories from the Bible that are simple childlike stories that take all the... um, you know, I think I'm so smart in how intellectual the course is. It's like a graduate, <laughs> a graduate level class in spirituality for me. I used to take up some real spiritual pride from it, but um, I'm learning to tone it down a little bit and to keep it simple because the message is so simple. And the the lesson that says we will not limit ourselves or think of others as being limited because. Oh, I think of myself, I think of others, and um, I would treat others the way I would have myself be treated. And, treat, and you know, that lesson of gentleness is, is so sweet to me. Um, I think it really um, has an, an equalizing, humbling kind of effect on my, on my being when I think about it, think upon it. And um, how everybody's equal and deserving and worthy of being loved. Every living thing that God created. And, you know, this this um, idea of specialness that, that the ego wants to keep, um, and that the ego keeps through, through judgment and through, through judging each other, others, um, myself and others through their actions, their words, and um, letting that go, that appearances, um, echoes, um, reflections are not the truth. They're a step removed from the truth of who we are, which is changeless and perfect. And thank you, Lori, for bringing that lovely thing from Marianne Williamson this morning because it just blasts with, it blasts with the celebration of of us as created as God created us, you know, that <laughs> no matter what we think we are, we're mistaken. Because until we really know the truth of who we are, we're just illusions battling illusions, images battling illusions, and we're getting close to that above the grad- above the battleground um, part of the text, which really sort of lit a light bulb in my, in my holy mind about, you know, where all the conflict is, where all the battles are and um, in the world. Thank you, Fran, for your dedication to this call and bringing us the lesson, that the lesson um, closing in on, on, you know, the world was made in order to validate the bodily experience, experience that my eyes needed something to see. You know, that perception happened when we became bodies. It wasn't until we became bodies. So the body is the great deceiver. What I think I know through the body is the great deceiver. 
and the understanding that um, who we, you know, we're not who we think we are is huge in this text. Uh, believing the absolute truth of how God created us to be one mind and one heart. And that's what we know when we look at each other and see each other suffering and we say, no, this can't be, I can't accept this. Let me, let me help you. I love you. I want you to feel happy and joyous and free. It's so natural how we were created to be with and for each other. So enough out of Jude. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for facilitating and um, everyone for participating. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Thank Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank I just, I got to share this in my enthusiasm this week. I'm looking down, catching up with words. The three, my three favorite words this week on my billboard are limitlessness, universal, and eternity. And those are qualities, likeness, and God's likeness and quality, what we are. So um, learning to identify with our true identity this is what I'm working on this weekend, and focusing on putting attention on that instead of um, letting my experience be layered with perception of form and judgment and um, discriminating differences and all that. Seeing everything as the same holy, united, oneness, wholeness of God. So thanks, Micah. I always love it that... Um, you you continually and consistently consistently bring up the truth of who we are. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. again for that question and where it led because you know this uh, this thing of gentleness in the and what are the characteristics of God's teacher it's very clear that it opens it opens the door I think to what is but what at least myself, I, I, I get the thing that I, I want to carve it into blocks and build a wall out of it when 
<clears throat> the truth is that it is and will always be whole. And so this is just cast myself into uh, into a prison, right? As I built out of these blocks carved out of the truth and the attempted defense against what is. <clears throat> and uh, I really, I really like, <laughs> you know, the, after the section on gentleness, the next sentence is, Joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And it goes on, because clearly, you know, defenselessness and uh, must, must entail, you know, actually, I think it's the other way around. Gentleness is entails defenselessness, that the natural gentleness of love um, always provides another option besides defensiveness and this uh, attempting to select out of the whole what I think I need to to prove to get the safety that already exists and uh, and gentleness is the way that peace of mind is generously given so it's like at the end of defenselessness it is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down it is safety it is peace it is joy and it is God <coughs> And uh, I want to uh, I want to go go back to something in the text that that resonates with me on is uh, which is again is a description of gentleness is what it is the access to the holy instant right so from chapter 15 45 the holy instant is the holy spirit's most useful learning device for teaching you love's meaning for its purpose is to suspend judgment entirely and that is an entry into gentleness and then it makes it clear judgment always rests on the past and it's impossible without the past. But without the past, we think we don't understand anything. But in gentleness, and make no attempt to judge because it would be quite apparent to you that you do not know what anything means. You are afraid of this because you believe that without the ego, all would be chaos. Yet I assure you that without the ego, all would be love. And, yeah. Gentleness is both the access and the expression to uh, 
something other than weakness and defensiveness. <laughs> anyway, I'm complete. Well, thanks for that. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you. That was great. Yeah, that was really great. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, without the ego, all would be love. Morning, everyone. This is Lori. What a great reading. And what a superb lesson. Um, so often, the lesson and the reading um, lift up and support each other. And uh, this lesson, this lesson, <laughs> I'm glad we focused on the gentleness aspect because it's a perfect um, it's a perfect illustration of how he takes something I understand and turns it slightly into a different light that reveals my misunderstanding, like the word force that he uses in paragraph 49. Ego thinks of the word force as something oppositional, struggles against, involves conflict. Um, you know, force uh, that overcomes by virtue of of um, superior strength. But these two sections and this lesson to, today invite me to a different understanding especially the way he highlights it in paragraph 49. Within you, there is a capital F force, which no illusions can resist. What could that possibly be but love? What could be stronger than love? In the presence of love, conflicts disappear. It's irresistible, this love of God. And so the branching of the road um, is an appeal to recognize the gift that's been given in the holy relationship. I mean, what is a holy relationship except something um, that is an open-armed, open-eyed, open-handed invitation for love to make of it what it will rather than what two egos would have preferred in specialness. You know, and so Holy Spirit takes that gift of two minds that agree to follow truth rather than separation of ego and instills in it, gives it the gift of love. Christ's vision is is what that is. And so these two as it says in that last paragraph of that section, these two discover their capital S self, the self that they both share, the shared identity of Christ that rises up out of this gift of willingness to separate from the ego 
this gift of willingness to give illusions to truth. I read these two sections this morning. I was just overwhelmed with uh, three lessons. And, you know, I have a really good time doing that sometimes, reading a section and then asking my mind to recall what lesson is best reflected in this reading. And three lessons came to mind right away. In the branching of the road, um, throughout is woven the giving and receiving, the giving and receiving. You receive the gift of love that's given in the holy relationship to extend it, to share it, to uh, let its light shine on everyone who comes to it for forgiveness and healing. Love does that this force that's within, not of, but within, the gift of Christ's vision. You receive it to give it. You receive it in each other and become the guardian and protector of innocence. Forgiveness becomes implicit in the relationship because I would sooner protect that innocence than have any illusion come to interrupt the beauty of the relationship that's built on love. So it just shines, this branching the road, with lesson 159. I give the miracles I have received. The miracle of love that's born in the holy relationship where two individuals happily lay down the idea of separate lives, separate personal identities and reach for the self we both share. He says in Lesson 159, Christ's vision is the miracle in which all miracles are born. It's the source. It's the source of all miracles. How is that true? Because of love. Because of love. The branching of the road is a walking away from personal separate identity and reaching for the self we share. And that awareness is maintained by giving and receiving. Giving and receiving, giving and receiving. What is a holy relationship? But where two individuals realize God's law, that giving and receiving are one in truth. That force is love. And so when love is born in a holy relationship, does it need defense? No. No, because it's the laying down of illusions and receiving instead truth. And so that's what he's talking about in that first paragraph under under um, the heading weakness and defense, is it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, weakness and defensiveness. It's only illusions that call for defense. This force of love, this capital S force that he talks about in paragraph 49, requires no defense. Defenses are what the ego calls upon to protect its version of truth, which is all illusion. Recognizing, recognizing the love that's born in a holy relationship, it's no need to, there is no need to walk on with defensiveness and truth because the truth of Christ's identity has replaced the need for that. Illusions have been brought to truth. And so when he says reason will tell you in paragraph 45, 
let reason tell you that illusions contradict reality. He's saying, no longer use your denial to deny truth, but rather use denial, use your reason to deny illusion. And that speaks of Lesson 107. Truth will correct all errors in my mind. When truth arrives, there's no need for weakness or defense. They disappear because illusions brought to truth shows illusions to be nothing. Truth corrects all errors in my mind. That's Lesson 107. And finally, finally, This lesson today, lesson 250, let me not see myself as limited. This capital S force of love is unlimited in its power to save, unlimited in its power to heal. Love is what God is. And this lesson today says love is what you are. <laughs> he is what I am. And as I see him, so I see myself. In the love boat, where Christ is at the rudder and in the sails, that's this force. No image of myself can withstand that. When I bring illusions to truth and allow truth to correct all errors in my mind. I just love it when... The reading um, is so perfectly reflective of lessons. And finally, creation's gentleness is all I see. It's lesson 265. That lesson, that lesson practiced in conjunction with today, um, becomes the light, the light of healing, the light of truth where in its presence no illusion can stand, not because of opposition, but because of denial of opposition, which is the same as remembering to forget. These two things become the wings that lift us, lift us, lift us, straight to the heart of God. I'm complete. Oh, thank you for that. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful clear clarity. Thank you, Lori. It's a beautiful reading. It's so beautiful. You'd think it's the end of the chapter, but that's tomorrow. <laughs> I wonder if you're on mute, Lemoyne. Um, I was. I just wanted to thank you for completing that that circuit of of what comes out of gentleness. Yeah, 
and how, you know, that strength is not... <laughs> and it's a strength that takes no effort. It's arises in the acceptance of what is uh, I've often often repeated <laughs> the the thought that uh, I understood to be a clear thinking which is everything is a gift but in that thought, really, there is all of a return, you know, a return to our strength through gentleness. And uh, if everything that happens is either an expression of love or a cry for love, then mm, Yeah, only only gentle responses <laughs> tip the balance towards uh, the expression of our strength. Thank you. Mm. Mm, thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. this one today Um, it's from chapter 31 in light of I will not see myself as limited behold your role within the universe to every part of true creation has the Lord of love and life entrusted all salvation from the misery of hell and to each one has he allowed the grace to be a savior to the holy ones especially entrusted to his care and this he learns when first he looks upon one brother as he looks upon himself and sees the mirror of himself in him thus is the concept of himself laid by for nothing stands between what he looks upon to judge what he beholds and in this single vision see the face of Christ and understands he looks on everyone as he beholds this one for there is light where darkness was before and now the veil is lifted from his sight to every part of true creation has the Lord of love and life entrusted all salvation from the misery of hell Oh, let me not see myself as limited. Amen. 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 Glory. 
Thank you, everyone. It's a beautiful call in the morning. Thank you. Well, thank you all. Thank you, guys. If I press the right button here, the call will continue.